Welcome to the Weekend Wild Podcast. I'm Pat. And I'm Jim. And we're two working class dudes who only got two days to get her done. We talk about a lot of fishing, especially muskie, northern, walleye, and in the fall, we love bow hunting. So we've got all your bow tips and tricks. So we also talk about conservation, news articles, cooking, a little bit of lifestyle, and a little bit of opinion. We only have two days to get it done, so come on, tune in, and get Weekend Wild. Howdy. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Howdy, howdy, so howdy. We got a few things to go over today. It's just you and me. I did text uh, Bush like Billy. I don't know if he's coming. I know he had a lot of stuff to do today. Today's a, This was a busy weekend. Um, oh, man. I haven't stopped moving. No kidding. Like Two-day weekends just aren't enough. And, uh, and especially we worked yesterday. So that really, really kills a weekend. Oh, you know? and then I had to stay an extra three hours for certain construction. And uh, man, did that torch today. Oh, it just, and then you wake up Sunday, just kind of tired. You're just ready for that like that chill moment. And it's like, oh, man, I got 10 things to do today. The one thing I do want to say is uh, I did find a guy. I'm not going to give him a shout-out yet until the deal goes through, but I did find a guy that is buying the Clacker Craft. I got to meet him on Tuesday. Actually, the day this podcast comes out, I got to meet this guy. And if, he, if the deal goes through, I'm going to give him a shout-out on the podcast. But it's an actual fishing guy with a lodge and all that. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he was very interested in the boat. We agreed on a price, and... Uh, Oh, Bush like Billy's not coming. Um, but we agreed on a price, and so he's like, would you mind meeting me? And I was like, I don't mind meeting you, so we, I got to drive like an hour east or so to get to him. And uh, But if it all goes through, I'm going to give this guy a shout-out. So the Clacka hopefully is sold, and then we are on to uh, a new chapter of boating. You know, I'm getting sick of buying and selling boats, though, I'll be honest with you. I got the Illumicraft. Anything except for like the shore launches that you use that boat for, you can use the Illumicraft for. Yeah, I, I, my next my next endeavor is going to be a cheap aluminum square stern canoe with a five horsepower limit and we grew up in one of those we did a lot of fishing we caught a lot of fish out of a canoe you know and very localized fishing is great for you know you could drag it through the woods you could uh whatever you could just you could just use them so would you ever entertain doing like one of the sterns off the side of like a regular canoe i would as long but you're not gonna i mean to get a five horse off the side is gonna be real torquey on things uh with trolling motor speeds and yeah for sure i'm just saying like when you're alone in a boat in a canoe uh, and it, you know, it's jacked real way up. There's just no control in that thing. I won't use it as a motor. Like when I go to use it, it'll be kneeling down in the middle and, uh, paddling with J strokes and oh, all that gotcha. stuff. Um, but what I really have in mind is, uh, taking Kel out for the day and taking babies out for the day and stuff like that. Dogs. And we did this in Wisconsin last year. I, I was actually testing. If you can take that German shepherd and we had the mini doodle and throw him in a canoe and it doesn't flip, it's a pretty stable canoe. Right. So yeah. I, I had a 90-pound German Shepherd freaking out in a canoe, and we still didn't flip. So I'm like, I, 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 so far, that's the way I'm going to go. I might do like a 14-foot V-boat, rowboat, stripped out, you know, maybe put some like comfy seats in her type thing, but something you could put a 10-horse on and do a little motor in. That's also an option. Those you could still buy a dime a dozen. I have a trailer I can use. Remember the one that we used for the uh, Little River Ripper? Yeah. That one's still available to me. It's sitting in my yard right now. And so... Hmm. Yeah, so the Clacka might be gone, and if this guy does go through with it, I'm going to give him a shout-out on here. So you guys can actually go, if you wanted to, you can go for a guided fishing trip in my old Clacka craft. So. Did it sound like a for-sure thing? Or yeah, what? yeah. So, But you know how people, they, they get you out there and they do a little tighter kicking. The thing that makes me feel better about it is he's driving a lot farther than me. So like for him to drive 10 hours, Ooh. and well, if I have there, if I back, you know. Yeah. If he, For him to drive that much, I feel like he's committed yeah um for me just an hour there and back and burning a half day of pto is like okay well i could just come home and not lose a thing so is this guy from out east or up north uh both oh um 
The other thing too, uh, oh, I, I, you know, never mind. We got a couple of emails we're going to go over. Uh, thank you for emailing, by the way. You guys are starting to warm up to us. We got a couple we're going to address here. Um, what about weeks? You got anything for, we're going to talk a lot of like hunting stuff today. In yeah. fact, that actually has to do with one of our emails. So I, uh, I hunted, um, don't get too far into it. We're going to talk about more later. Oh no, but no, I got, I got to hunt two days after work this week, which is a new experience for me. Two days. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I was out with you for one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just a lot of overtime. And then that, that low pressure system showed up over the Midwest this week. Oh man. And it just rained and it rained for like four or five days straight. And even know? if you did get a dry minute, you're like, I'm not going out there. You just look and like everything's wet. You go outside and you're like at work. We go outside to get something and it's like it's just everything's wet and it, it's just cloudy and it's just damp and yeah, it was just nasty, nasty weather. That's why I didn't I didn't even bother hunting. I probably could have hunted tonight, but we got a dinner and I had some bow work. I need to I really need to get done. Yeah, um, I, I did a lot of bow work this week. That was one thing I did do this week. I went to the range uh, twice. Oh, okay. So. Uh, one thing I do want to throw out there when I was looking through our news articles today, one thing that came up for Illinois gun owners is they're now like threatening that you got to have this thing registered by whatever the date is, or it's a class two felony. It's a class two felony. They say less than 1% of assault weapons. That's their word, not mine. Assault weapons owners, uh, still have not registered. Uh, there's, they said there's 4 million, uh, owners in Illinois of assault weapons, quote unquote, assault weapons. And like a thousand of them have registered. Mm. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Sounds about right. The other thing I switched, uh, you know, we always have concealed carry insurance. A guy at work turned me on to his. It's a lot more affordable than what I'm on. So if anybody's looking for like affordable, obviously not sponsored. I'm just giving you a tip. It's called Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. It's like $120 a year maybe or something like that. So I don't own an assault rifle. I own a freedom dispenser. Is that the same thing? Uh, it, uh, I just saw a thing. It says, it looks like, uh, it looks like the middle East needs more, uh, freedom. And it's like the Navy heading over there with all the jets overhead. <laughs> it looks like we need to give the middle East more freedom. Um, Dude, they sent three carrier strike groups to the, uh, Eastern Mediterranean. That's bonkers. Oh yeah. There's a, that's a big mess over there. Um, okay. So the emails, I got one, uh, it's funny, but there's one that came up, uh, fishy Phil actually just told me the same thing. And says you told me he was like a recent new listener. I'm guessing ever since we got on Muskie 360 yet. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing he started there. Really likes the fishing content and not as much as the hunting content. And Fishy Phil told me something very similar to that. So we got to try and incorporate uh, more fishing. But here's the thing with our podcast is we change with the seasons. You know, it goes from... If you want to start in the spring, we start doing early spring type fishing, you know, cold water, and then we move into summer and then fall, like early fall fishing your September. But then like we kind of sw- turn the switch off and do a lot of deer hunting. I wasn't going to do that this year, but I ended up anyway. I was very excited to go deer hunting for oh, some yeah. reason. And uh, yeah, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to do a lot in October and I've been out several times in October, you know, so I, I just totally botched that. Deer uh, hunting is just, you know, it, it's a very intimidating thing for people to get into. And I I would love to be that person that helps you make that push into deer hunting. You know yeah, I mean? and what's nice about this podcast is you guys are hearing this from people that are uh, working class. Like you're you're listening to people that have a normal life. I'm a new dad. I got a stay at home wife. Work fifty sixty hours a week, and I'm still able to do the things I talk about. And so you're kind of hearing how and all that stuff. Plus we're into a bunch of other stuff. But uh, so when you, when you hear us switching into hunting, it's not like we're going to be turning into a hunting podcast. But if you do hear more hunting content. It's just the change of the seasons. After this, we'll be 
ice fishing, shed hunting, early spring fishing, yep. you know? And uh, so, yeah, but I appreciate the email. Another one, another one I got to address. This one I told you about. Yeah. Um, I got called uh, the biggest idiot on the planet or something like that. Really? Yeah. And it was all over... Uh, I don't even know if I should get into the episode thing, you know. Was it, but, was uh, he referring to me, and you thought it was you? Uh, I'm assuming me. I guess I just assume me. I, oh. You're right. I don't actually. He didn't use any names, but he called it. You know what? It was from the Mono versus Braid episode, where I got called the biggest idiot on the planet for that. So just like remember when you guys are listening to this, you're more than welcome to email me and disagree. I love disagreements, love perspective, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, he he's very set in his camp, you know. But supposedly I said something that really got that guy going. So okay, I think this may involve. Mono versus um, uh, fluorocarbon versus braid, right? What do you mean? What do you? Uh, I don't know where you're going with this. So, like mono, like fluorocarbon is technically a mono. So, I think people, people, when you say like mono, they think old school mono that stretches and boing and it, you know, like crappy stuff. So, people who really love fluorocarbon get all bent out of shape when you. No, I think that no, I think mono. this was a braid guy, but like. I, See, the thing is, I thought we gave him a pretty fair... I think we gave both lines a pretty good fair shake comparison. And supposedly, I'm the biggest idiot on the planet. I just want to throw that out there. In Man, case you guys I'm didn't a, know... I'm a braid guy. You're, uh, you are? <laughs> I'm, I'm a braid guy when it comes to anything probably over 10 pounds. So, like 10-pound oh, test. It all has usage. That's why I thought we did a pretty fair shake. Down. We did this, a really good fair shake out of that. We We covered every angle of that so i got called the biggest idiot on the planet and uh that's okay that's okay i, I could take that cal calls me that at least twice a day sounds like know? this guy worships braid man yeah everyone picks their camp and sticks with it but I, I don't know i just i do so much different kind of fishing that it's just like but you i just yeah there's there's uses for all of it and the we, emotion the uh yeah the just emotion like pick that camp and stay with it kind of thing yeah but uh so yeah so um, I want to say that that was another email we got. I just uh, I haven't been called the biggest idiot on the planet yet, and uh, by a I've, listener, I've probably by my wife. Oh, I have, yeah. you probably, know, <laughs> I probably called you that time or two. Uh, yeah, and it's not it's not wrong, you know. But so you guys should keep emailing us if you hear something you disagree with, or you just you know like it's like uh, you know I really love to hear your guys's take on something or whatever. Email it. They're not just that. We'd love to have a debate. Oh yeah, like because like uh, I like this guy. If he wants to come on, I could always uh, plug him in and see how it goes, you know. And so yeah, we're always uh, we're always wide open. So email us contact at weekendwildpodcast.com. Send it. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you want to see different. You know, if you want, if there's a topic we're just like skipping over that's really important. Let's say like for instance, you live in one of these towns where there's like a mine or a something that's coming up, and you just want awareness. Let us know. I might not know this thing even exists. So bring it up and we could talk. Like, you know, at Camp Grayling, for instance, I found that on my own. But let's say I, I were just scanned over the, what Camp Grayling was going to do to Northern Michigan. But somebody emailed us to tell us, hey, can you bring this up on your podcast yeah, and let like other people really know? Stuff. And uh, yeah, so you, it, use the power of email, guys, and get a hold of us. And uh, I will continue to be the largest idiot on the planet. No, okay, because of my so fishing line choices. If anything, I'm the largest idiot on the planet. And you're just the biggest idiot on the planet. Hey, I'll take it. Whatever. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we're going to talk some more hunting stuff today, but uh, with uh, and actually, I'm going to talk a little fishing with that hunting because I do have a I do have a plan set up. Uh, but I got a couple of news articles I'd like to run through. Uh, you mind if I start one? Yeah, go just for in it. case. Just in case you say this one, I want to say it just because I did all this writing for it. This is from Duluth News Tribune. All right. Lake Superior shipwreck found in deep hole 100 years after collision. 
Have you have you heard of this? Yeah, I have. That that's the one that I was referring to that I couldn't verify. Oh, uh, Duluth News Tribune did the whole thing. So here, let me go through it. A century later, the 238-foot Huronton has been discovered by the Great Lakes Shipwreck Historical Society. The Huronton sank after a collision with the 416-foot ship known as Cetus, S-C-E-T-U-S, Cetus I'm going with. Both ships were traveling too fast for conditions towards each other and during heavy fog. The ships were, uh, they collided, and they were actually locked together from force. They were actually stuck. Yeah. Um, we're, sorry, I looked away from the mic for just a second. Oh, so the Cetus actually kept pushing on the Huronton just enough, long enough to let the guys from that ship jump onto theirs to save them. Yeah, that's what I heard. And it was actually plugging the hole on the Huronton. So, okay, everybody's off. They even saved the bulldog. There's a mascot of the ship. There's a bulldog. They even got the dog off. And, uh... Everybody on, he's like, yep, pulled off the ship. The ship sank, and it sits in 800 feet of water out in Lake Superior. So I had heard another story that I couldn't find true. This That, that wasn't the one I, that I was referring to. I did read an article about that, but I thought it was older. I didn't realize it was this new. Maybe it was. I, it would pop up on my, like, where I get my news articles. I'm like, oh, Pat would love this one if I did it. You know. But there was also another one about the Africa, and I need to do more research on it. It seemed like a fake article, so I just kind of breezed over it. But... I, I couldn't find any information on the Africa being found. What do you got? Um, so I've got a quick, just some things that may surprise you. Now, the way that the, oh man, it just shut down on me. That's great. Um, the way that the article read was uh, the top, uh, the states with the most hunters. That's what, that's how the article read. And you're thinking, oh, it, this is purely by numbers, right? But actually it was, it was population. Who, where, where, okay, where do you think Wisconsin the biggest hunting state that I know of. Where do you think they rank? So wait, are you talking about hunters per capita? Yeah. So okay. hunters per capita. Hmm. They did it in terms of 100 people. Now, if you're the layman that you're like, oh, 3.8 in terms of 100 people, that's, well, that's actually 3.8%. So. I would have to take Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan to be like in the top five. No. But then again, when you say per capita, that tells me like, for instance, Wyoming only has like six or 800,000 people there. All of your Western states, I'm sure they're interchangeable in the top five. Oh, okay. So Wisconsin placed 10. Where do you think? Per we... capita. But, but you got your Milwaukee's and your Madison's and, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, those really fluff those numbers. That's why I was kind of disappointed when I read when I started reading. I'm like, Wisconsin's 10? You know, like, because it's actually more populated. But uh, what do you think was number 50? Oh, 50, 50 per capita. Man, it's got to be something with a big city. Am I, am I on the right track? Has it got to be something with a big city? Yeah, we were on the right track. It's with several big cities. It's California. I was gonna so, say, so I was actually going to say California or New York was going to be my two guesses. Now, when I first read the article, I was thinking California's 50. They've got a giant population, and the northern half of the state is like actually pretty big into the outdoors. And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's got to be more hunters there than in, say... New Jersey, you know what I mean? No, I, I would, I definitely would never have said that. No, okay, I'm, or maybe New York State, or you know, like one of those Eastern. I just got to imagine some of these states, kind of like how we are in Illinois and like New York and California. Like, if you're not part of that city, like you really hate the fact that those cities are in your state because like the, the state has a lot to offer, but they get clouded over by the nonsense that takes place in those cities. Your yeah. big New York City. So when I hear New York, I'm like, Ugh. or like, it's Washington. like no, you go to you go to Western New York, it's beautiful, you know. Um, and same with that California, look at what California has. But then when you think of California, you're like, oh my God, they're going to come up with like all the crazy gun laws and that now you can't eat Skittles, you know? And it's like, that's can't eat Skittles. Yeah. They made Skittles like something in Skittles, red number five or something's illegal now. Really? Yeah. California's nuts. 
Uh, so when I, when I hear those, like they get clouded. So when somebody hears Illinois, they're like, oh, that dirty ass Chicago. You Do you know? remember when you used to buy the, the spinners off the rack and then you'd pull them off and there'd be this white tag dangling from them and you're like, hmm, I wonder what this says. And then you read it and it says, this product is known to the state of California to cause lead something. Good thing I'm not in California. <laughs> and yeah, everybody goes, well, I don't live in California. <laughs> Stuff it in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. But no, I just, uh, and all of your average Midwestern states other than Wisconsin ranked ranked in the like mid 30s to mid 20s. I, do you remember where Pennsylvania was? Because Pennsylvania's got a lot of deer hunting. A Pennsylvania lot. was like in the low 20s. Wow, I'm surprised. Okay. Michigan was like 29. Yeah, per capita. I, I would be curious to see actual numbers of hunters, though. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna find that one next. I'm gonna I'm gonna report back to you with that one next weekend. Okay. Or next, well, you know, next episode. I do have some good news in the fishing world. If you want me to do that, uh, Fox Two News. So Missouri shocks 38,700 pounds of invasive carp out of a river. So Asian carp, you know. Yeah. Missouri Department of Conservation shocked these fish out of the Grand River. Uh, they did it in two periods. So between September and 11, September 11th and the 14th. They were shocking, and from the 25th to the 28th, they were shocking. So the Grand River starts in Iowa, and it runs 226 miles down to Brunswick, Missouri. So I had I didn't know where Brunswick, Missouri is, so I'm going to look it up. Uh, and then I did a bunch of chicken scratch here. So it ends. Oh, so the so the Grand River actually flows into the Missouri River in Missouri. So Brunswick is east of Kansas City. It's uh like pretty much still like middle of the state, east of Kansas City. Good man, kill them all. So 38,700 pounds of carp have been shocked and taken out. Up, up, up. Kopi. Kopi. That's an Illinois thing, though. Yeah. That's a, uh, I've got an idea. Let's call them copious. So I'm not sure how long of an episode we're going to have here, but uh, we kind of wanted to run through. So we have like a, a – we kind of changed our approach to the way we are deer hunting where we deer hunt. So, you know, standard issue stuff is, uh, you know, you go to the woods, you get a tree stand, you stand up there. You wait until you get cold feet, and then you come back down, you know, and then. <laughs> so that Monday, that uh, that that Monday hunt that me and you did was actually really cool. I So that's what I wanted to talk about. So uh, where we fish, or fish, hunt in our area, we got a couple of different spots, but there are, the, the main premise of these spots is prairie. Yes, there's trees. I get it. There's trees, but you're prairie hunting. And, I mean, we are the prairie state. I mean, north central Illinois, it's a pool table. I mean, so... The one thing I, we were talking earlier, like how I want to do more fishing in October, what really changed things is I got invited <clears throat> uh, this next weekend. I will be uh, out western Illinois on private property deer hunting. And like I'm talk- I, I was texting the guy back and forth. He's got some rules. He's very strict on scent. Um, he only wants mature deer shot. He's like, I don't want you to shoot the first fawn that runs out in front of him. I'm not going to do that. He says, I want mature does, mature bucks. And so... I told him I don't really have a lot of experience with uh, that buck is X amount of years old. So he's actually been sending me pictures from his trail camera. And you can shoot this one. You can't shoot that one. Gotcha. You know? That's and cool. Yeah. Very strict. He, he's, he wants big deer. This is big deer country. So anyway, I was thinking, how many deer do I actually want in my freezer? Like, how, When would you stop deer hunting? When would you actively stop? How many deer would you need to actually stop trying to hunt? Two. Okay. That's kind of the number I came up with. I said maybe a third because I'm doing a lot of grind. So, you know, you could stack up grind nicely. I, I would say two because uh, my freezer can only fit two. So where the fishing content might come back is if next week I'm successful. He's like, you got a 90% chance of shooting a good doe. 
He says about a 50% chance of shooting a good buck. I told him, I'll take two does. If two mature does walk out, no, yeah. they'll stand still. I'll arrow both of them. I'll take your scraps, man. And uh, so, but pretty much what I was saying with fishing is if that happens, uh, I'm probably still going to go on the trip with you and Dan because I said I would and I kind of want to see the place. But I'm probably going to go, I'm probably going to go back to late season fishing with a flyer rod. Um, hmm. Yeah. And doing some walleye in northern and stuff like that so i probably if if next weekend's successful i will be back doing a lot more fishing for the fall late fall wow you know what next weekend already yeah dang that's cool um but so i want to talk our, our different approach to what we're doing around here so we would we would beat ourselves to death trying to find a tree to climb it's like you can't deer hunt without a tree. You can't right? Yeah, there's one or the other, nothing else. And before I go too much farther, I think the best way to deer hunt is in a tree. I truly do. Well, I I do too, one hundred percent. But you guys would have to see where we hunt, and we have some listeners that have, you know. Yeah. And here's the problem: is we hunt in a lot of spots. It's like, oh, it's you know, it's wilderness, but it used to be something, you know. And you, you don't have mature trees. The mature trees were cut down. Something was put there, and then it turned into a conservation. And now it's that thorny brush, small, you know. The other thing, too, like Illinois, before it was, you know, colonized, was like how we, how you see those places. There was not a whole bunch of big mature trees. I don't and- think – I'm willing to bet the wind blew in a lot of invasive uh, thorny bushes that we deal with. Yeah. I think because like some of it – what they really need to do is burn some of these places, and they won't. Uh, but we had to, we had to change our approach. So we, like Monday, for instance, we both wore our saddles and climbing stuff out. And we're like, I, there were so many times I'm standing here. I look across the field at 200 yards and I'm like, Oh, there's a good tree to climb. That's a good spot. Oh, man. And you truck through the tall grass and you get there and you look and 20 feet on both sides is thorny ass bushes. And even if you did get in that tree, I mean, what was the closest shot you can take? 30 oh, yards? Because you'd be shooting through sticks otherwise. Yeah. That's the one problem. Like, so if you find the one tree, and this is in the natural, this isn't like on your grandma's front yard. Um, in the natural world, if you find one tree, chances are it's going to be a forky. Because that thing's going to spread out and be like, well, I can get sun from any angle. So it spreads out and it forks out. If you go into like the inner woods where there's like, you know, you're in like a holler or like an actual patch of woods. Then they all got to go straight up. There's yeah, no for room competition. For four. Yeah, it's all competition for sunlight. And uh, so when you see that one tree off in the distance, like you either got to climb it like you're 12 years old, um, you know, where you just kind of hop on limbs and get your butt up there. But then the other thing too, that closes off a bunch of your shots. So that closes out basically all of the climbing trees for uh, you know Northern Illinois. So we, we and we do have woods like uh we we were supposed to have Dan on this week and just it, the schedules didn't align you know and uh but like where he where he got his deer this year was like probably the best climbing spot I hunt there just every tree is available yeah it, it, it's more now you're now you're actually picking ground where are they going to be traveling through yeah wetlands and, and once you figure that out you could just set up in the tree that's right there because there's plenty of you know trees to pick but the other spots we hunt uh. It's like I'm passing up a lot of good hunting spots just to find a tree in a not good hunting spot. So I started taking the ground game a lot more serious. And this, and just on Monday, for instance, I was a quick hunting story. We set up, and I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I'm out in this big prairie, and I see this thick stretch of woods that kind of all tail together. And it's just that that brushy. Like if you walk through it, you would be snagging all your clothes everywhere. High stepping. You're high stepping everywhere. And so I, I find this. I find this real thick spot. 
And I'm like, this would be a great spot to hunt, but I, there's no trees. And I kept doing this. I kept looking, there's a tree to climb. I walk over, he can't climb it. Walk over, he can't climb it. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit, I'm going to set up right here on the edge. I have a nice backdrop. So if you were to look out, you'd really actually have to see me. You're not going to see the silhouette of me because there's, there's trees right behind me. And picture a big U shape, you know, in the bottom of the U where the uprights kind of go into the curve. Yeah. It was 80 yards apart. And so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there and I'm watching, I'm watching. You met up with me and I'm like, I'm going to sit here because I think there's going to be things bedded down in here, all this thick cover. But at, at uh, oh, here comes a shepherd. But at sundown, these deer are going to walk out. And so you went and did your own thing and I'm sitting there and I'm looking and it's like 80 yards and I'm like, oh, I should probably split the difference. I should go in the middle of that U and be able to take a 40 yard shot at either side of the bottom of the U. I'm like, no, you're, you already made too much noise. You already spread too much scent. Just stay here. Well, I was right at 80 yards. There was a couple of doe came out. Good doe that I definitely would have arrowed. And then, uh, so they walked into the thick grass. I'm like, and even I was, I was texting Pat. I said, I got a couple of does here. He says, go chase them. And so I, I, I do a knock an arrow. I mean, I probably had an arrow knocked already actually. And, uh, I start tiptoeing through. They didn't know I was there. They didn't know I was there. Well, we had a strong wind that day and they finally made a straight down wind to me and white tails up, boom, gone like a lightning bolt. And, but had I been looking for a good tree in that spot, I never would have saw those deer. I never saw those yeah. deer. And the other problem, too, if you notice, where we hunt, it's just because it's all public beat-up ground. Where we hunt, if you found a good tree, chances are about 15 guys this year found that same tree to hunt. Yeah, so you guys are true. all hunting the same spots. And so that's kind of like my new approach to to uh, where we're hunting. Is I, I think I think blinding yourself, uh, scent's a big thing. Oh, I got, can I tell one more story about scent real no, quick? absolutely. So the first day out, I may have even said this already. But uh, the first day out was a Monday. I went out. And I just wanted to do a shakedown of my gear, make sure nothing was busted. And uh, I get out there, and it's before light. I get up in this tree, and I hear a deer across some water. I'm like, here we go. Uh, It gets up. I'm sitting in the tree. I'm I'm still kind of getting my stuff set up. I'm not, like, ready to arrow. It it wasn't even shooting light yet. And I heard this thing go through the trees after he just came out of the water. I'm like, there's going to be a deer here at first light, you know? yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, bam, all this rustling gone. I'm like, what happened there? I mean, he got, he or she got out of there in a hurry. And I'm thinking, you know what? I just washed the shirt that I'm wearing because it was warm that day. So I didn't have a jacket on and the shirt I had came out of the laundry. I think I got scented and scared the hell out of that deer. So um, I'll tell another story as it relates to scent. Uh, We were hunting that spot that, uh, you know, we were talking about where you do. You said uh, there's so many good climbable trees that, you know, it's just hard not to go to. Uh, very hard to get to. You need to take a boat to it. And we were hunting there. We did it on a Sunday night and a Monday morning. And pull up, walk through the woods, uh, set up. This is day one. This is the nighttime hunt. And I forgot my rangefinder. And I, I had forgotten it at home, and we were camping. So I'm now going to be out with this thing the whole time we're there. So, and I, I stopped at the store and I ain't paying 130 bucks for a piece of crap range finder. So. Yeah, that, especially when you got a good vortex one sitting at home, you know. Uh, so I just kind of said, screw that. I'm going to try and do it with focusing a monocular. So I practiced focusing, focusing the monocular 20 yards and anything that was in focus from that point, I can, you know, confidently say that that's 20 yards. So then I was thinking, okay, my bubble is 20, can't go outside that. And, uh, so I'm thinking about all this stuff. And then, you, you know, when you get up in the tree with low confidence, sometimes you don't put an arrow in your bow. Sometimes you don't pull your bow up fast enough. Sometimes you're just kind of taking it all in. And, <laughs> and uh, you are sometimes just like, 
ah, there ain't no deer here. It's like, what are you doing out there, Dan? If you're not actively trying, what do you do? It's it's just a weird feeling you get. But so I know exactly what you're talking about. With public land hunting, but if, if you see a deer, there's a stage of being like, oh, you yeah. know, they don't know I'm here. They don't know I'm here. Whoa. And uh, this place also has coyotes in it. So, but that that's another story. But uh, so I see a deer right in front of me, at forty yards, and I'm like, "Here we go," you know. And I'm getting my put my arrow in. He didn't see me. She didn't see me. And uh, this thing just kind of toodles over, and you know, now we're probably about like thirty five yards, and I, I still don't have a clear shot. It's it's at the one spot in a in a tree with a saddle where you have this short little sliver that you can't shoot. You can peek your head around and look, but you can't shoot it. And uh, all of a sudden, this thing picks its head up. And then it goes, you know, it makes that <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Did it stomp? Did it stomp you or no? No. Okay. Just, just picked its head up and. <laughs> and then it took off. That's actually very accurate now that I'm hearing it come through the headphones. <laughs> but uh, took off. and But it wasn't looking at me. It wasn't even looking my direction. It was looking to uh, my northeast, but it was like the, almost so the opposite way. Happened then was the moral of the story. Coyote. Oh, I think that just that one was a coyote. Now after that, and you're thinking, okay, well that's over. Now I can like put all my stuff away and get ready to get down in two hours. And uh, no, I left my arrow knocked. Uh, one came up from behind me. Didn't even see him because I'm not looking that direction. I'm thinking all the deer are coming from where that deer came from. Right? Yeah, right, right. And uh, you do kind of get that vision, like all the deer are over there and they're going to come my way. And it's like, no, you don't know where these things are coming. You got an idea. You see, you know, game trails and whatnot. So this was a super. This was a hotter day. It was like 85, maybe even 90. And uh, I'm I smell, dude. I I don't put on a bunch of deodorant to go deer hunting, so I smell like me, like bo. And, uh, you know, you, you're up in the tree and you put your arms on your harness and you're like, man, that's, you know, but anyway, so this one gets right up from behind me, probably about 15 yards. Didn't see her. I feel like such an idiot. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear, cha, 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 cha. and then he gets, or she gets like 30 yards away from me and she goes, <laughs> and takes off and you're like, man, another one. And then about 20 minutes after that, three deer come up from the right hand side. And they're all just, doo, 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 doo. you know, the one picks its head up. It's like, there's two that are eating and there's one that's scouting, you know, like, are we good? And then the one sees me and it's, it's off of another angle that I can shoot, but it's a lot of work to get over there to shoot. So I'm just kind of like hanging in. Hopefully they go in front of me. And, uh, now one picks up her head and the, keep in mind at this time, they're like 40 yards out, which if I had my rangefinder, man, we would have been flinging. I would have been out of arrows. That day. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hold still. Hold still. Let me get the next one in there. And, uh, so the one picks up her head and then, and then they all like run off. And I mean, so we saw two right when we got there, when we weren't in a tree, weren't even ready to shoot. We saw the first one. So that's three. We saw the group of three. And then we saw the one that was behind me. We saw seven does in one day. Yeah. It's not bad, especially on public ground. You know, this, None is, of them this is available super mature, to anybody. Though. None of them super mature. They were probably at the most three years old. Oh, okay. So they weren't big old. You I'll know. tell you what, on public ground in Illinois, three years, if you made it three years, it's not too bad because, I mean, there's there's a few big bucks laying around where we hunt, but there's not a lot of big bucks. But they do get smart, and they knew it's time. They know it's time. They're like, man, I'm smelling a lot of extra humans out here, so we're going to start going to the safe haven because the one spot I hunt, there's a major safe haven. They, if they cross the line, you're, out of, you're not shooting at them, you know? The crazy thing that I thought about that day was 90 degrees, and it was maybe about an hour and a half before sundown. 
and we were seeing all those deer then. So, uh, like I was just telling you that one that I, I scented that it, it was all before light. I'll be honest with you. I went out that day and I'm like, if a, if a super good deer walks in front of me, I'm going to shoot it. Some big buck, some big doe, maybe. And I'll shoot it. But I really wasn't really, I wasn't looking to shoot a deer on 85 degree weather. I was, I was doing this to kind of get a shakedown. Did I forget I lost a carabiner that I use every time? Did I tear a rope that I forgot about? It was just a shakedown to go hunting. And so, yeah, it would, it would have had been pretty spectacular for me to shoot one in that hot of weather, but we're starting to cool off now, you know? So the next day and, um, you know, keep in mind, I've got the boat. It's a lot of work to go hunt this spot, uh, just because of the boat and the setup. And definitely the, a better afternoon hunt than yeah. it is morning. Oh yeah. Cause and morning you're getting up at midnight to make this happen. The other thing too, where I launched my boat <clears throat> when it's low, the, the, the launch ends and it drops off into a 10 foot hole. Yeah. And yeah, I got a couple of spots like that too. And it's like scary. You watch the trailer. It's like wheels, 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 everything's in the water. You know? <laughs> like, so we were launching it and I'm like, Hey, I'm yelling at Dan. Hey, tell me when you think it's like, you know, floating on its own. And then all of a sudden the trailer drops. Bloop. Gone. Dan's like, okay, it's floating on its own. And I'm like, yeah, of course. It is. The trailer's all the way in the water. But anyway, so then we had to do the whole winch way up thing because I, I could have, you know, I was easy for me to get my trailer up without damaging anything with nothing on the trailer, but yeah, you throw the weight of the boat on there, throw the weight of the boat on there. Now you're cutting tires. But, uh, so we go down there in the morning, we make it out at a decently early time. And, uh, we were up probably about a half an hour before shooting light, which you mean you're up in the tree. Yeah. yeah. We're ready to go about a half an hour before shooting light. And, uh, so we, we had agreed the night before to move Dan a little bit more East. Oh, I meant to tell you too. Dan took a shot at a deer the first night. And uh, he just used the wrong pin. Yeah, I did that. Wrong. Not that I shot at a deer like that, but I did that at the target at the range the other day, and I, I did it with three arrows. I go on, I'm like, man, the, my 30 yard pin is like really like down. Yeah, I'm three arrows before for, I realized, oh, because you were using the 20 pin. You know? I'm an advocate for having as few pins as possible. I got a five pin, uh, and I'm not saying that a one pin is the way to go. I use a one pin that's got two parts to it, so you actually have two yardages lined up. But anyway, so. Uh, we, we agreed to move Dan a little bit more east of where we were at, where all the deer were coming from. And uh, I didn't see one. I finally see one. And it's over. I think it's over where Dan set up. I don't know exactly where he set up. But then all of a sudden, you're And then this deer jumps. And then it runs. And then all of a sudden, it just collapses. I'm like, holy crap. You know, I text him. I'm like, dude. He's like, did you see the whole thing? I'm like, no. I kind of saw, like, the last part of it. And uh, I didn't even see the arrow at all. And, uh, yeah, I didn't even know what direction he had shot in from. You know what I mean? And, oh, okay. Gotcha. But uh, I, I told him, I was like, I know right where that deer is at. It turns out he could see it from where he was. But uh, I definitely knew right where she Hard fell. Hard shot, right? Yeah, perfect shot. I Blood mean, like, everywhere. Perfect shot from the angle that he was at. It entered in in front of her, what would be like our left shoulder. It entered in from in front of that. And then it exited towards like the backside of the other rib cage behind the shoulder on the other side. And uh, that broadhead blew through, you know, a big old group of dense meat for the shoulder. It wasn't necessarily through bone, but it went through the rib cage, uh, in between ribs. Super lucky shot, and, and I'm like super lucky, like that where the arrow traveled. It was a perfect shot, no luck in that. But uh, so we got that one, cleaned it up, threw it in the boat, and that's you know, if you were to do the, like the Xbox achievement, like what you you know, you know, but uh, we got a deer in that boat. I've, I, that was the first time I've had that boat out there for. Oh, hunting. that's right, that's right. And uh, I don't think a deer's ever actually. I see the been last in one was boat. in the the last one was in the little river ripper out of that spot. Yeah, yeah, where it's you and the deer, and then nothing else can fit. 
The one thing I don't know about you, but sitting up in that tree, I got a bunch of these ten point squirrels walking around half the time, and I get really excited about those ten point squirrels. Oh, you know? the, the, <laughs> I have only heard a few squirrels so far, and I've been up in a tree I think five times. I was amped the other day. It was a morning hunt, and I get out there and I hear one of these ten point squirrels, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's a big deer coming. Yeah. And then finally, you see the branch up there, and you're like, oh, that's just a squirrel running. You swear it's a big ass deer coming through the woods sometimes. You swear. Do you ever see that? I think I sent you that meme of the squirrel with the antlers on it. And it's yeah. like, get ready for big buck season. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's a squirrel with antlers on it. So the one cool thing, and I need to really get better at finding these trees. The one cool thing about that spot where Dan got his deer and we saw all those deer the night before, it was raining acorns like the whole time. Like an acorn was dropping every single second or half second. It was just, they were everywhere. And uh, so they were definitely coming to this acorn spot to eat. I was uh, I was set up in Osage orange trees. Yeah. And uh, when those fall, I'm thinking, man, I'm glad I wasn't standing there. Oh, yeah. No, they're big. They come I, from 30, 40 feet up. And poof. You ever step on one in the dark? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm going for a run. You know? <laughs> yeah. You catch yourself. Uh. Um, so anyway, I did switch broadheads. I don't know. Did you switch broadheads this year? Uh, the only reason I did was because they stopped making the ones that I really loved. So I found these ones called Slick Trick. And the bow shop sold so me had a deal going. I'm like, how are these things? Because it's a solid three-blade broadhead. Now, Pat's going to say something about that. Well, Let you me know guess. Me. I'm the biggest idiot on the planet for shooting a three-blade. You blade. are the biggest. You know, if if that guy was a true bow hunter and he listened to our broadhead episode, he'd be like, <laughs> these guys are these guys are effing crazy, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, but no, they, we like controversial opinions here. I just, so I, I, I was just looking for something. The one thing I hated, I had these grizzly, I like the style of the broadhead. I think this thing would blow through a truck door if you hit it. Uh, it was a two blade, single bevel broadhead. That's the one that but, I had. But they were never tight. You Like when you wiggle your arrow, you're. Oh no, those were steel force. And I thought those were grizzlies. I thought they were grizzlies. I think the steel force is its own thing. No, I've got, I can show you a pack I've got in the truck. But so like there's these ferrules that tighten down on the blade and but you can never really like get it to that satisfactory it's tight. Yeah. It's like there's I, always a little loose spot. I don't like those ferrule ones because of that one reason. You're keep in mind when you're shooting fixed broadheads, you're shooting them. Like you're testing with them. Like that's the beauty of two blade broadheads in my opinion. Um so this year I was looking for something else and I was just in the bow shop. I was actually getting uh he sells eggs, so I go in there and buy my all my eggs from him. I was getting deer tags and uh Urine. I was getting uh, dough urine. And Do you buy tags from him too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Uh, he sells fishing licenses and everything. Um, great bow shop. But anyway, so I was just kind of poking around. And a girl that works there, I'm like, hey, do you know anything about these broadheads? She goes, we're actually starting to get a lot of good reviews about those. They're affordable. I didn't pay more than 40 bucks for three of them. And she goes, a lot of people are saying really accurate. And I'm like, and there's these slick trick. I went from 125s down to a 100s. And I'm like, you know what? I'll try them. Why not? I mean, if, like like you said, buy three broadheads a year. So you kind of got a collection of what you like and you kind of know. And it, you're just not killing a bank. So I went out to the archery club and on the broadhead thing and I started firing these things. And they they were identical to my one my 125 uh, field tip, you know, air, field tip. Uh, what am I looking for? Field yeah, tips. No, yeah, uh, field points, yeah. And... They shot identical. I didn't have to move the sight at all. And they went right down the pipe. And I'm like, geez, these are these are really accurate. So that's what I've had. I'm actually going there because I got to do a couple more things on the site. So I'm going to go there after we get done recording here. 
But I'm telling you, for an affordable broadhead, I've, those slick tricks are nobody's paying me to say nothing. So I'm, this is just me telling you that if I, I found a little broadhead that I can finally shoot pretty straight. I tried some of these muzzies, and those muzzies are like Tim Wakefield's knuckleball. They come in, it's like, oh, this one's high right. And you're like, let me shoot that one again. Okay, it's low right. Let me shoot it again. It's right in the middle. And it's like, then you get, then you, then you will get a good one. You'll shoot one. You'll have one that you hit every time. So I actually started numbering them. Okay, I know my two arrow is my good one. My three arrow is the backup. And number one is, you know, whatever. The other thing I don't like about those muzzies is they're vented. So when you shoot them, it goes. Yeah, they whistle. And uh, that came through on the microphone really nice too. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't like the loudness of those. I used non-fluted uh, two-blade single bevel broadheads. And. Yes, they do not fly as accurately as something that's balanced like a three-point. Like would like her. Like they a, don't because I tried. I'm telling you, I couldn't get those to shoot straight. I, not as straight as picky as I want. Listen, but they were shooting straight enough to where you. How big are those circles? The, the cardboard circles we have at the club, uh, four inches maybe. Yeah. So if I'm aiming for the middle of that, I would hit like outside right, outside left. So it's not like it was a complete whiff, you know. But yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't as precise as I liked it. And some of that too is me. So it's not, I can't blame all the broadheads. Sometimes you're just wiggling around, you know, and you kind of fire off when you think it's right. So I've been using the Grizzlies this year so far just because I shot them a lot last year and I still have four of them. Um, Where'd the other ones go? Uh, one is embedded in my, oh. um, my, I, I made like a little backdrop for my target. Yeah. So, you, so I don't blow shit and stuff into the park. Um, one got stuck in the frame of that because I got a bunch of these cardboard things from work that came with these lifts that we bought. And so they're just a big bunch of big cardboard blocks. I'm like, this is perfect for an archery target. Well, uh, I must have, I, I was stacking them up two by two and I must have knocked one through. So I actually blew through this piece of cardboard and stuck it into the wood and I never got it back. I ruined it get, trying to get it out. Um, and then another one, um, I had damaged my bow from a critical failure that was totally 100% my fault. I did the same thing. We're still waiting on parts for those. And uh, shot one, and it did this crazy thing where it ramped off of a ratchet strap, and then it went into this super dense high grass area that's under power lines and stuff like that. So that thing's embedded in grass. Like, you'll never find it. So that's how I got uh, four. But anyway... um, so yeah, now I bought these uh, VPAs that I'm actually going to start shooting today because I want to start using those over. That's actually what Dan shot his deer with, um, and they're made out of tool steel, super sharp. They're they're not as long, so they're going to fly better than the Grizzlies. Yeah, those um, are those are. I bet. How long were those broadheads? Two two and a quarter inches long, oh, not yeah. wide, long. Yeah, well, they had a good cutting width though because they were still inch and an eighth. I say inch and an eighth, but I thought they were wider. You sure? I wonder if mine it was mine inch and three sixteenths. Perhaps could no. be, uh, no, maybe something. No. I, something I own is inch and three sixteenths. No, I it's not that. One. Your 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 broadheads with the ferrule are inch and an eighth. Okay, because I've got the same ones. That's what, and the, those slick tricks are still inch and an eighth, but it's the three blade. You know? um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think a, a three blade is going to have the bone crushing if you do hit a shoulder. I don't think it's going to blast through a shoulder like a, a two blade will. So the two blade that I have now is an inch and an eighth. It's a shorter profile. It's made out of better steel, so it's denser. So when you get a 150 grain broadhead, that's single piece. Um, I love single piece broadheads. We'll always shoot them. Um, you could shoot them all you want. They're not going to loosen up. Like the, there's no ferrules to loosen up. Like what you were talking. I'll never about. buy those again. I'll never buy something like that again. So when you see 140 dollars set of broadheads that have a ferrule, like they have to be the best to never loosen up. Like they literally have to be the best. Especially if you're going to practice with these things and actually put some wear on it. Oh yeah. 
And so, but this tool steel, this stuff don't wear. Hit a rock with it, and it, it might bend up a little bit. I watched a guy do a test. He's shooting it at concrete. It bent the tip a little bit, but it didn't ruin the edge. It's just crazy. But uh, so, no, I bought those, and that's what I'm going to be shooting this year. I'm still shooting pile driver arrows. So my, my arrow comes in at just under 500 grains now that I went back to uh, 100 grain broadheads instead of 125s. So I'm, like, I'm probably sitting at like 490, I'm going to say. I'm right, right up in the mid-50s, like 540 or uh, mid-500s, like 540, 550. Okay. I don't know how many feet per second. So anyway, that's all we really have. I know it's kind of a shorter episode than what we uh, we just want to kind of give our new approach. I think I I think if uh, if you hunt the same spots we do, if you could figure out what we're talking about, uh, I think ground is where you're really going to give yourself the best opportunity. I'm not saying it's the best way to hunt, but I think you got the best opportunity in this spot because of the lack of trees. Yeah, if you were to break it down to percentages, where where we hunt, uh, a good seventy percent of the land is ground. And the other 30 is tree. Yeah, and it, but even the trees aren't that climbable. It's like, okay, I can finally get in this after I cut away 10 thorn bushes and I climb up in there. And it's like, But if a deer walked up in 10 or 15 yards, you don't have a shot because you got to get out over the brush you just climbed through. We, we need to make it down where Dan shot his deer. So yeah, it's just a lot of, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, it's also the furthest place away. Yeah, it's far and it's a lot of work. Um, so yeah, that's all. Uh, if you guys remember, don't be shy to email us. If you guys hear something, you guys want us to bring something up, say it, you know. And if you don't like mono that much, you can email us about that too. Yeah, you can let me know. That's, you know, I, I like hearing this stuff. So anyway, thanks for listening. And remember, email us at contact at weekendwildpodcast.com. And anything else, Pat? No, that's it. See you guys. See you.